A blessed Sunday to you, my fellow servants in Christ. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas celebration with your family, friends, and loved ones. Indeed, this year has been sort of a redemption, a winning back of what we've probably lost in the past Christmas celebrations. How did I even spend Christmas last year? Maybe you don't remember. But this year has been good. This year has been God's blessing to us, where we can sort of celebrate a sense of normalcy in our Christmas traditions, spending time with our friends and family. This keeps us sane, doesn't it? Our passage for today will be from the book of Joshua 24, verse 1 to 28. You may open your Bibles there. But before we get into the text, allow me to check in with all of you for a moment. Well, over the past two years, many of us have been bogged down by life, life itself, the situation, the pandemic that has changed all of our lives. Ministry, service, work, these are all slowly becoming tiresome. And uh, as we look forward to the new year, many of our internal voices are saying, ah, it's another new year, new responsibilities, same old jobs, same old problems, I'm so tired. I myself have felt the same things. Over the past two years, I have bouts of anxiety, worries, and just feeling overwhelmed by what's been going on in our lives. So as we head into the new year, what's our, what's our attitude? What do we feel like? Do we look at the new year and say, ha, ah, I'm not excited? Maybe we're asking God, does he care that I'm tired? Does he care that I've been slugging out for the last two years. I've been biting down and keeping on going. Does he care that I'm tired? Does he just demand that I keep going? Or the better question for us today, maybe we have to ask, does God really demand our service? Is he a commander that commands us to keep going even when we're crawling on our knees already? What kind of God do we serve? Well, I pray that the Lord will speak to us through his word today. Let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for delivering us for the past year. And as we gather for this last message for the year, may you speak with us, be with us, and fellowship with us through your word. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we look into our chapter for today in Joshua 24, we must understand what has happened in the previous chapters. This will help us make sense of the context of the room we're entering or the story we're about to open. So if you're an avid watcher of Netflix, you know how important it is to be reminded of in the last episode. So let's take a look what happened in the last episode, the chapter 23 episode of Joshua. Well, it starts off with verse 1 where it says that Israel had been feeling a period of rest in the promised land. They were surrounded by enemies, and yet they were at peace. But it was also Joshua, who was already very old. He was well advanced in years. In verse 14, Joshua himself said, Now I am about to go to the way of the earth. So which means he's about to die. Basically, that's it. In chapter 23, is simply giving the people his parting speech. His speech was uh, summarized in this way in verse 6 to 11. This was the main plot line of his speech. It was a command 
and a reason, and another command. So it was a sandwich method. Let's read this together. Here's the command. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that you may not mix with these nations, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done to this day. Here's the reason for why he commanded it. For... Or because, when you see the word for, it means because, for the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. And he sandwiches it with another command. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Basically, Joshua was saying, keep and do everything that is in the law of the Lord because he has been good to you. He has fought for you. He has taken care of you. Therefore, love him. Love him by keeping his commands. Let's summarize it in this way. Joshua was saying, God has fought for and taken care of you. Therefore, respond with love and loyalty to him. So as we enter our chapter for today, Joshua 24, let's organize it in this outline. It will be in three parts. Joshua 24 will be first about the Lord's recollection, then the people's response, then unnecessary repentance. Let's look first at the Lord's recollection. In verse 1, it shows us that Joshua, after his speech, gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. Notice this time, they were not presenting themselves in front of Joshua. They were not presenting themselves in front of elders or leaders or barangay captains. But they were gathered to present themselves before God himself. So Joshua 24 will start off with the Lord directly speaking to his people. Let's look at what the Lord says in his version of a speech. Joshua 24, verses 2 to 5. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, And to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt, and I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt, and you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand. You took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you and also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Jerjasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites." 
and I gave them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of the vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. You see, what the Lord was saying is this. He gathered his people and he recollects all the things that he has done from generation to generation. If you were to organize the Lord's speech in three parts, it was divided so organized in this way. In verse 1 to 4, he declares his faithfulness to the generation of their ancestors from way back before. And then he flows his speech into this faithfulness to the generation of their grandfathers and their fathers in Egypt. From there, he traces his faithfulness then to this very generation that was listening to him this day, who was present and gathered in front of him. What the Lord was basically saying was he was presenting his case I have been so faithful to you from beginning to the end. Ever since I have called you, I have been with you. I have taken care of you from battle to battle, from place to place, from land to land. I have been faithful to you. This is probably what the Lord was saying. Look at all these things. Look at all these things that I have done for you. See the story. See my history. See how your family history has been full of me. See how I have been faithfully devoted to you all these years throughout all generations. He presents a very solid case for his faithfulness to his people. That's the first part of Joshua chapter 24. We've just all celebrated Christmas, and I'm sure we've given and also received certain gifts. Let's just think about a very common occasion that we see every Christmas. Grandchildren receiving gifts, grandparents giving gifts. It could be also about godparents giving gifts to their godchildren. What do we usually say to the children when they receive gifts? Could be your child, could be your brother, could be your younger brother or sister. What do you tell them to do after they receive the gift? You tell them to say thank you. Thank you, Lolo. Thank you, Uncle. Thank you for the gift. Because that's the appropriate response to receiving a really good gift from a really good giver. He deserves the respect of the receiver. What if suddenly your child, as you watch him receiving a gift from his lolo, from his uncle, suddenly does this? Lolo, you're the man. Or even worse, he could kiss his fist and say, you the dude, lolo. Very inappropriate. Probably you'd be cringing because it's so inappropriate. You see, there's an appropriate response for appropriate behavior. There is a dutiful response to every dutiful and respectful behavior. So in the same way, the Lord had just presented a case for the gifts that he has been given and has done for the people. So what was the appropriate response? What would be an appropriate response from the Israelites after the Lord had just presented his case, his gift, his revelation that he has been faithful from generation to generation. How would the people respond? So we will move on to the next part of our outline. We will look at the people's response. Joshua steps in immediately 
And we see the urgency in the first word, now, therefore. We see Joshua saying, now, therefore, fear the Lord. He was addressing the people and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Before I explain to you what this passage means, let me give you a Bible reading tip. Since the Bible is a book, we must learn some literary techniques to understand how the author uses words and techniques to emphasize the points that he wants the the readers to see. One literary technique in writing is repetition. If the author wants you to hear certain words, hear certain things, and read certain things again and emphasize it, He would cram it in a very narrow space, which in this case is in a space of two verses. Let's look at the words in yellow. You see, in the two verses that we see here on our slide, there are six times that the word served was used. Serve, 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 serve. There seems to be something that the author was emphasizing for this section. Joshua after the Lord declares his case, his speech of faithfulness from generation to generation, immediately steps in and says, Now therefore, let me translate it in Tagalog. I know this is an English service, but I have to put it in Tagalog to really drive the point. He says, So ngayon, kaya ngayon. Okay? Dahil jan, fear the Lord and serve him in faithfulness and in sincerity. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was saying, Guys, 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 the Lord has just stated his case. He has proven himself faithful to us, to our fathers, to our grandfathers, to our ancestors, and even to us. We have seen everything that he has done. Dahil jan, therefore, let us fear the Lord and serve him. Basically, this is the principle that Joshua was trying to say. Service to God is merely a response to realizing the faithfulness of God. It is the appropriate response to receiving a gift of faithfulness. The Lord has committed to you, therefore what do you commit to Him? Service. Service is how we respond as His people. Recently, I've been hooked in uh, Formula One racing. I've been watching Netflix, and uh, the documentary got me hooked in watching Formula One racing. And recently, last week, the champions have been crowned. They have been crowned, and I recently read that the employee's bonus was huge. Would you guess how much it was? How much each employee would receive? It was rumored to be around 10,000 euros per person. It's not only given to the drivers, to the heads, to the engineers, but literally everyone who worked in the company, some who have never stepped foot on the racing track. This bonus was given to each and every one. You see, 10,000 euros would amount to around 570,000 pesos. Talk about a 13th month pay. 
Why did I tell you that story? Imagine if you were the one who would receive a 13th month pay of 500,000 from your employer. Or you would receive an ang pao and you feel it's so thin. But as you open it up, it's a check written for 500,000 pesos. How would you respond? What would be your response to receiving such a gift? What would be an appropriate response to receiving such a gift? Probably for most of us, you would feel inadequate to even reciprocate such a gift. But I'm sure the thought would eventually come to, what can I do? How can I give back to this person? Can I wash his plates? Can I wipe his table? Can I clean his office? Can I clean the bo- the, my boss's office just to repay my kindness? Repay his kindness with my kindness? And in this position, it's the same way with the Israelites. Basically, Joshua was already responding. He was saying, Lord, you've been so good to me. Tell me what I can now do for you. I am willing to serve you, me and my house. I will respond by devoting my service to you. I am of your use. Joshua was saying, I've seen, Lord. I've received. I remember. Now tell me, Lord, tell me now. How can me and my house be of service to you? Joshua responding to God's faithfulness with his service to him. So, as we continue reading, let's take a look how the rest of the Israelites responded. In Joshua 24, verses 16 to 18, this is how the people answered. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And they give their reason. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, Dahil Jan, Dahil Jan, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. So we see people, the people now responding. We have seen, we recall, we remember the Lord's goodness and faithfulness to us. That is why Therefore, we also will serve the Lord. You see, service to God is merely a response to realizing the faithfulness of God. Let me say that again. Service to God is merely a response to realizing the faithfulness of God. It's very interesting to note how Joshua responded to this commitment, to this verbalization of commitment of his people. So this brings us to our third point. The necessary repentance. In verse 19 to 24, after the people responded with choosing to serve the Lord and expressing their commitment to serve him, Joshua responds by saying, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgression or your sins. What what does this mean? Let's continue reading. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. What does this mean? Joshua was just asking for their choice, asking for them to choose whom they will serve. And after they choose to serve God, Joshua turns to them and said, you are not able to serve God. 
What was that about? But he gives his reason, again, using the word for. That's the reason. For he is a holy God, and he is a jealous God. You see, what this word holy means is what explains this truth. You see, sometimes we think of holy as pure, clean, or um, uh, untainted. But really, the word holy comes from the word hul, full. And uh, if we talk about God being holy, meaning he's fully, he is completely. If he is a complete God, then he is your God. Therefore, he is completely committed to you. He is fully yours. He is committed covenantally to you. And he is jealous. So what happens? If your service is mere commitment and choice, not wholly, not fully, not completely the Lord's, it's not appropriate for a holy God. For he is jealous. Any distraction, any other gods that you serve does not deserve to be serving this holy God. You have to be wholly committed to God. How do the people respond to this? Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, they affirmed it, We are witnesses. So Joshua responded. He said, Then, so, ngayon, put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So, after the people reaffirmed their commitment to God, saying, yes, we will really serve him, Joshua. Joshua tells them, so, you have to put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord. There must be a necessary turning away from the previous way of life. And it's interesting to note that as they were verbalizing their full commitment to God, there were foreign gods that are among them. Basically, Joshua was saying, okay, you choose to serve God. Look at what's beside you. Your idols are directly beside you. They're inside your tents right now at this very moment. And you're saying you're choosing to serve God. So he was asking them, okay, so if you choose and you are witnesses to your choice to serve the Lord, you have to do something different. You cannot just say something different. You cannot just want to do something different. You have to do something different. You have to live differently. Something has to change. There was a necessary repentance. What's the scene and what the story? Let's recap what we just discussed. First, we saw that the Lord gathers his people and recollects all of his faithful deeds towards them from generation to generation. And after hearing the Lord's testimonies, Joshua immediately jumps in and charges the people, guys, guys, make a choice. Who will you serve? The people respond by verbalizing their choice to serve the Lord. For, they say, they have seen his faithfulness to them. Joshua reminds them that choosing alone is not enough. There must be a true commitment that is seen through a repentance of the heart to be wholly devoted to the Lord. So what does this mean for us? We've talked about the story in a historical standpoint. What does this old school story have to do with us today? Well, this is what it means. Every time we gather ourselves before God 
whether in our personal worship time or on Sunday service, it is a place where we are not gathered in front of our pastors or our senior pastors, but really it's a place where we must allow God himself to remind us of himself and his faithfulness to us. And as we are reminded of God and his faithfulness, we must allow his truths, his revelations, to move us to once again choose to continue serving him. This choice, this choice that we make, must not be made verbally. We can't just want to change when we're sitting here in the pews, where we're sitting at home in a couch. Ah, oh, that's a really nice message. The Lord is really good. That's not enough. A choice must be made and evidenced in a change of the way of life, a putting away of old and a putting on a new way of full devotion to God. We have just discussed Ephesians, where we were, we were saying we have to put off the old and put on the new that was created in the likeness of Christ for holiness and righteousness. There must be an active I won't do this anymore because I will respond to God in the way that is appropriate for a holy God. I will not no longer do this behavior. I will no longer live this way because I have seen the Lord's goodness and I must respond appropriately. This gift is something I do not deserve. Therefore, I want to respond properly. I cannot just say, mm, yes, but you have to say, Lord, I will change. This is my proper response. We cannot just commit to God verbally, sing his songs, praise him, listen to his word, and remain unchanged. That is completely useless. So we can summarize these three points in three words. First, recollection. Second, response. And third is repentance. Three elements of this sermon. Why did I have to point that out? Without one R, everything would be incomplete. If you don't recollect, then your response will be coming from a self-sustaining strength. You are serving the Lord out of your own strength. You are not responding. You are just creating. You are trying to do something for God that comes directly from yourself. So, what really needs to happen is you have to allow God to remind you of his goodness so that you might respond to his goodness through service. And after that, your response must not be a verbal response. There must be a change in the way of life, which is called the repentance. Without repentance, you are just saying, I want to change, but you no longer change. You are just responding emotionally, intellectually, but not really with your whole heart. In Matthew 15, verse 8, this is exactly what Jesus was saying. He was saying, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. What was this word uh, said for? He knew that the people at that time knew everything about him. He knew They knew his laws. They knew his word. They knew the law of Moses. But their hearts... This word heart is actually their being, their whole existence. Their whole existence is so far from a proper response of who I am. Their existence does not honor me. Only their lips do. They're doing a lip service, a lip worship, a verbal worship. They praise him with songs. They recite his verses. But their lives and their existence completely does not respond properly to a holy and jealous God. 
So here's our invitation, brothers and sisters. Let's not allow our choosing to serve God to be merely lip service. We must allow his recollection of his goodness and faithfulness to us to move us to a response. And this response must be a point of repentance. I want to change, therefore I will do this. I will no longer do that. The three R's of recollection, response, and repentance. How will you live differently in light of God's faithfulness to you? You see, brothers and sisters, does God demand our service? Does God really demand our service? We have seen and we have heard through the Lord's word today that service to God is merely a response to realizing the faithfulness of God. He has proven himself faithful to us. Let us respond by living differently. So as we close, maybe this passage uh, would reach you at different points of your life today. I organized it in a way that would uh, illustrate the different kinds of people that I know, but it is in no way trying to limit your struggles or your situations. But let's try to go through this and see how this would be helpful for you. There's this person one, probably. Who, uh, who will call the long-distance runner? This person knows God and serves him, but is really tired. Really tired. The struggle is that he's been serving for so long that he's already tired, probably burnt out, and lacking motivation. He's looking forward to the new year and saying, oh no, another year of service, another year of living for God. It's not easy. I'm so tired. Maybe what you need is to rest and remember God. The recollection part. Maybe you've been so busy with the response and repentance that you've forgotten to recollect. Maybe throughout this new year, these holidays, you can set times of renewal. Bring a prayer journal. Bring notebooks. And just list down all the things that you remember God doing for you this past year. Allow God to recollect his goodness and his faithfulness to you over the past year. Maybe you can instill disciplines as a way of a change of life, to set regular times, weekly, daily, of recalling God's faithfulness and His goodness to you. Maybe five minutes a day, lunch break, at night, just recall how you have seen God deliver you that day, that week. Maybe this is you. Or maybe this is you. Let's call person two the sprinter. This guy also knows God and also serves him, but has forgotten. He has forgotten him because he does too many things. He's so busy for so many ministries, so many work, so much people, and he does not get to slow down and experience intimacy with God anymore. He used to, but now the service and the responding has taken over and the recollection has been put aside. Maybe what you need is to slow down and learn how to celebrate God. One symptom of these people, the sprinters, I would call them, is they do a lot. So, inevitably, their prayers are sprinkled with supplication and requests. Lord, please fix COVID. Lord, please help me, help me, help me. But what they lack is actually to celebrate God, which is in the prayer format, no? the Acts prayer format, they forget adoration, confession, and thanksgiving. They go straight to S, which is supplication. So, 
Maybe you have to balance your prayer life. Maybe you have to balance your disciplines. More worship, more adoration, more praise, more thanksgiving. To recall. Instead of just respond, respond, respond. Maybe put in rhythms of recall, respond, repent. Recall, respond, repent. And not get too much in the two latter R's, but also remember the first R. Recollect. Because recollection is the fuel for us to keep running. So that we're not sprinting without energy. It's the replenishment. Maybe that's you. Or maybe the last one is you. Person three. Let's call him the man who can't be moved. This man is constantly being challenged by others to serve, but might not actually know God. He does not feel motivated enough nor compelled to want to serve. Maybe you know someone. You've been challenging someone to serve God, to live for God, to honor God. But maybe what he needs is not the response to God, not the repentance to God. But first, he needs to know God. You cannot respond to a person you do not know. So maybe he needs time to know God. Whether that's you, then take time to know God. But if that's someone you know, introduce him to God. Introduce the good news to him. Tell him what the Lord has already done for him. The good news of Jesus Christ and the sacrifices that he has made for him personally. And allow him to know God that he might respond to him in his time through the Lord's leading. Which of these three people are you? Are you the long-distance runner? Are you the sprinter? Are you the man who can't be moved? Maybe you're not any of this, but maybe you know someone who are going through these things, these struggles. I hope this table could sort of move you towards a place of reflection and application to help your brothers and sisters, or even yourself, to respond to God and where to start. Should I start by remembering him, recollecting his good deeds? Should I start by responding? Which part do I lack? Is it repentance? I invite you to reflect on yourself. Which part do you need most? Does God demand our service? I say no. But service is a response to realizing his faithfulness to us. So realize our faithfulness to us. Recall the Lord's goodness to you. Throughout this holiday season, may his word invite you to recall him. May his word fuel you to respond by serving him. And may his grace fuel you to repent of serving other gods that are in your tents, but live in a new way, in a new life, for a new person, because of God's goodness to you. I pray this word speaks to you and grows roots in your heart. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the word that you have given us today. Thank you that you have been so, so faithful to us from generation to generation. You are the faithful God. You are worthy of our worship. But Lord, we also confess that we are so forgetful. We are short-sighted. We have no memory in our memory cards. We forget so easily how you've delivered us from year after year, from generation to generation. And we get so focused and worked up on the problems that face us that we, we serve other gods. We serve our control. We serve our worry. We serve our money because we've forgotten how much you've provided, how much you've delivered, 
how much you've taken care of us. So we repent today, Lord. Help us to serve you wholly because you are holy and you are jealous. Help us to be fully devoted to you through the way we live, with our whole existence and not just with our lips. We praise you and we thank you for the new year that you have gifted unto us. We know that we will see a recollection of your good deeds once again this coming 2022. So we look forward to living with you and for you once again. In Christ's most precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. Have a good weekend.